Section 2 of Why Frau Frommann Raised Her Prices and Other Stories. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Why Frau Frommann Raised Her Prices by Antony Trollope. Chapter 2. The Beginning of Troubles. Of late days, and up to the time of which we are speaking, the chief contest between the Frau, with the Kaplan and Peter on one side, and Malchen with Fritz Schlesen on the other, was on that most important question whether the whole rate of charges should not be raised at the establishment. The prices had been raised, no doubt, within the last twenty years, or the Frau could not have kept her house open, but this had been done indirectly. That the matter may not be complicated for our readers, we will assume that all charges are made at the Peacock in Zwanzigers and Kreuzes, and that the Zwanziger, containing twenty Kreuzes, is worth eightpence of English money. Now, it must be understood that the guests at the Peacock were entertained at the rate of six Zwanzigers, or four shillings a day, and that this included everything necessary, a bed, breakfast, dinner, a cup of coffee after dinner, supper, as much fresh milk as anybody chose to drink when the cows were milked, and the use of everything in and about the establishment. Guests who required wine or beer, of course, were charged for what they had. Those who were rich enough to be taken about in carriages paid so much per job, each separate jaunt having been inserted in a tariff. No doubt there were other possible and probable extras, but an ordinary guest might live for his six Zwanzigers a day, and the bulk of them did so live, with the addition of whatever allowance of beer each might think appropriate. From time to time a little had been added to the cost of luxuries, wine had become dearer, and perhaps the carriages. A bath was an addition to the bill, and certain larger and more commodious rooms were supposed to be entitled to an extra Zwanziger per week, but the main charge had always remained fixed. In the time of the Frau's father guests had been entertained at, let us say, four shillings a head, and guests were so entertained now. All the world, at any rate all the Tyrolese world south of Innsbruck, knew that six Zwanzigers was the charge in the Brunnenthal. It would be like adding a new difficulty to the path of life to make a change. The Frau had always held her head high, had never been ashamed of looking her neighbour in the face, but when she was advised to rush at once up to seven Zwanzigers and a half, or five shillings a day, she felt that should she do so she would be overwhelmed with shame. Would not her customers then have cause of complaint? Would not they have such cause that they would in truth desert her? Did she not know that Herr Weiss, the magistrate from Brixen, with his wife and his wife's sister, and the children, who came yearly to the Peacock, could not afford to bring his family at this increased rate of expenses? And the Fräulein Tendel, with her sister, would never come from Innsbruck, if such an announcement was made to her. It was the pride of this woman's heart to give all that was necessary for good living to those who would come and submit themselves to her for four shillings a day. Among the extras she could endure some alteration. She did not like extras, and if people would have luxuries they must be made to pay for them. But the peacock had always been kept open for six Zwanzigers, and though Fritz Schlesen was very eloquent she would not give way to him. Fritz Schlesen simply told her that the good things which she provided for her guests cost at present more than six Zwanzigers, and could not therefore be sold by her at that price without a loss. 
She was rich, Fritz remarked, shrugging his shoulders, and having amassed property could, if she pleased, dispose of it gradually by entertaining her guests at a loss to herself, only let her know what she was doing. That might be charity, might be generosity, might be friendliness, but it was not trade. Everything else in the world had become dearer, and therefore living at the Peacock should be dearer. As to the vices and the tendals, no doubt they might be shocked and perhaps hindered from coming. But their places would surely be filled by others. Was not the house always full from the first of June till the end of September? Were not strangers refused admittance week after week from want of accommodation? If the new prices were found to be too high for the Tyrolese and Bavarians, they would not offend the Germans from the Rhine, or the Belgians, or the English. Was it not plain to every one that people now came from greater distances than heretofore? These were the arguments which Herr Schlesen used, and though they were very disagreeable, they were not easily answered. The Frau repudiated altogether the idea of keeping open her house on other than true trade principles. When the young lawyer talked to her about generosity, she waxed angry and accused him of laughing at her. "'Dearest Frau Frohmann,' he said, "'it is so necessary you should know the truth. Of course you intend to make a profit, but if you cannot do so at your present prices, and yet will not raise them, at any rate understand what it is you are doing.' Now the last year had been a bad year, and she knew that she had not increased her store. This all took place in the month of April, when a proposition was being made as to the prices for the coming season. The lawyer had suggested that a circular should be issued, giving notice of an altered tariff. Malchen was clearly in favour of the new idea. She could not see that the vices and tendals and other neighbours should be entertained at a manifest loss and indeed she had prepossessions in favour of foreigners especially of the english which when expressed brought down upon her head sundry hard words from her mother who called her a pert hussy and implied that if fritz schlessen wanted to pull the house down she malchen would be willing that it should be done better do that mother than keep the roof on at a loss said malchen who upon that was turned at once out of the little inner room in which the conference was being held. Peter, who was present on the occasion, was decidedly opposed to all innovations, partly because his conservative nature so prompted him, and partly because he did not regard Herr Schlesen with a friendship so warm as that entertained by his sister. He was perhaps a little jealous of the lawyer, and then he had an idea that as things were prosperous to the eye they would certainly come right at last. The fortunes of the house had been made at the rate of six zwanzigers a day, and there was, he thought, no wisdom more clear than that of adhering to a line of conduct which had proved itself to be advantageous. The Kaplan was clear against any change of prices, but then he burdened his advice on the question with a suggestion which was peculiarly disagreeable to the Frau. He acknowledged the truth of much that the lawyer had said. It appeared to him that the good things provided could not in truth be sold at the terms as they were now fixed. He was quite alive to the fact that it behooved the Frau as a wise woman to make a profit. Charity is one thing, and business is another. The Frau did her charities like a Christian, 
generally using Father Connellin as her almoner in such matters. But as a keeper of a house of public entertainment, it was necessary that she should live. The Kaplan was as wide awake to this as was the Frau herself, or the lawyer, but he thought that the changes should not be in the direction indicated by Schlesen. The condition of the vices and of the tendals should be considered. How would it be if one of the meats and one of the puddings were discontinued, and if the cup of coffee after dinner were made an extra? Would not that so reduce the expenditure as to leave a profit? And in that case the vices and the tendals need not necessarily incur any increased charges. When the Kaplan had spoken, the lawyer looked closely into the Frau's face. The proposition might no doubt for the present meet the difficulty, but he knew that it would be disagreeable. There came a cloud upon the old woman's brow, and she frowned even upon the priest. "'They'd want to be helped twice, out of the one pudding, and you'd gain nothing,' said Peter. "'According to that,' said the lawyer, "'if there were only one course, the dinner would cost the same. The fewer the dishes, the less the cost, no doubt.' "'I don't believe you know anything about it,' said the Frau. "'Perhaps not,' said the lawyer. On those little details, no doubt, you are the best judge. But I think I have shown that something should be done. You might try the coffee, Frau Frommann, said the priest. They would not take any. You would only save the coffee, said the lawyer. And the sugar, said the priest. But then they'd never ask for brandy, suggested Peter. The Frau on that occasion said not a word further, but after a little while got up from her chair and stood silent among them which was known to be a sign that the conference was dismissed. All this had taken place immediately after dinner, which at this period of the year was eaten at noon. It had simply been a family meal, at which the Frau had sat with her two children and her two friends. The Kaplan on such occasions was always free. Nothing that he had in the house ever cost him a kreutzer. But the attorney paid his way like anyone else. When called on for absolute work done, not exactly for advice given in conference, he made his charges. It might be that a time was coming in which no money would pass on either side, but that time had not arrived as yet. As soon as the Frau was left alone, she reseated herself in her accustomed armchair, and set herself to work in sober and almost solemn sadness to think over it all. It was a most perplexing question. There could be no doubt that all the wealth which she at present owned had been made by a business carried on at the present prices and after the existing fashion. Why should there be any change? She was told that she must make her customers pay more because she herself was made to pay more. But why should she pay more? She could understand that in the general prosperity of the Brunnenthal those about her should have somewhat higher wages. As she had prospered, why should not they also prosper? The servants of the poor must, she thought, be poorer than the servants of the rich. But why should poultry be dearer and meat? Some things she knew were cheaper, as tea and sugar and coffee. She had bought three horses during the winter, and they certainly had been costly. Her father had not given such prices, nor before this had she. But that probably had been Peter's fault who had too rashly acceded to the demands made upon him. And now she remembered with regret that on the 1st of January she had acceded to a petition from the carpenter for an addition of six zwanzigers to his monthly wages. 
he had made the request on the plea of a sixth child adding also that journeyman carpenters both at brixen and at innsbruck were getting what he asked she had granted to the coming of the additional baby that which she would probably have denied to the other argument but it had never occurred to her that she was really paying the additional four shillings a month because carpenters were becoming dearer throughout the world malchen's clothes were certainly much more costly than her own had been when she was young but then malchen was a foolish girl fond of fashion from munich and just at this moment was in love it could hardly be right that those poor tendal females with their small and fixed means should be made to pay more for the necessary summer excursions because malchen would dress herself in so-called french finery instead of adhering as she ought to tyrolese customs the frau on this occasion spent an hour in solitude thinking over it all she had dismissed the conference but that could not be regarded as an end to the matter herr schlessen had come out from innsbruck with a written document in his pocket which he was proposing to have printed and circulated and which if printed and circulated would intimate to the world at large that the frau frohmann had raised her prices therein the new rates seven zwanzigers and a half ahead were inserted unblushingly at full length as though such a disruption of old laws was the most natural thing in the world there was a flippancy about it which disgusted the old woman malchen seemed to regard an act which would banish from the peacock the old friends and well-known customers of the house as though it were an easy trifle and almost desirable with that very object the frau's heart warmed to the well-known faces as she thought of this would she not have infinitely greater satisfaction in cooking good dinners for her simple tyrolese neighbours than for rich foreigners who after all were too often indifferent to what was done for them by those tender ladies her puddings were recognised as real works of art they thought of them talked of them ate them and no doubt dreamed of them and herr weiss how he enjoyed her dinners and how proud he always was as he encouraged his children around him to help themselves to every dish in succession and the frau weiss with all her cares and her narrow means was she to be deprived of that cheap month's holiday which was so necessary for her in order that the peacock and the charms of the brunnenthal generally might be devoted to jews from frankfurt or rich shopkeepers from hamburg and worse still to proud and thankless englishmen at the end of the hour the frau had determined that she would not raise her prices but yet something must be done had she resolved even silently resolved that she would carry on her business at a loss she would have felt that she was worthy of restraint as a lunatic to keep a house of public entertainment and to lose by it was to her mind a very sad idea to work and be out of pocket by working to her who knew little or nothing of modern speculation such a catastrophe was most melancholy but to work with the intention of losing could be the condition only of a lunatic and schlessen had made good his point as to the last season the money spent had been absolutely more than the money received something must be done and yet she would not raise her prices then she considered the priest's proposition peter she knew had shown himself to be a fool 
though his feelings were good, he always was a fool. The expenses of the house, no doubt, might be much diminished in the manner suggested by Herr Connolin. Salt butter could be given, instead of fresh, at breakfast. Cheaper coffee could be procured. The courses at dinner might be reduced. The second pudding might be discontinued with economical results. But had not her success in these things been the pride of her life? And of what good would her life be to her if its pride were crushed? The vices, no doubt, would come all the same. But how would they whisper and talk of her among themselves when they found these parsimonious changes? The tender ladies would not complain. It was not likely that a breath of complaint would ever pass their humble lips. But she herself, she, Frau Frohmann, who was perhaps somewhat unduly proud of her character for wealth, would have to explain to them why it was that the second pudding had been abolished. She would be forced to declare that she could no longer afford to supply it, a declaration which to her would have in it something of meanness, something of degradation. No, she could not abandon the glory of her dinner. It was as though you should ask a royal academician to cease to exhibit his pictures, or an actor to consent to have his name withdrawn from the bills. Thus at last she came to that further resolve. The Kaplan's advice must be rejected, as must that of the lawyer. But something must be done. For a moment there came upon her a sad idea that she would leave the whole thing to others, and retire into obscurity at Schwatz, the village from whence the Frohmanns had originally come. There would be ample means for private comfort, but then who would carry on the peacock? Who would look after the farm, and the timber, and the posting, and the mill? Peter was certainly not efficient for all that, and Malchen's ambition lay elsewhere. There was, too, a cowardice in this idea of running away, which was very displeasing to her. Why need there be any raising of prices at all, either in one direction or in the other? Had she herself never been persuaded into paying more than others, then she would not have been driven to demand more from others. And those higher payments on her part had, she thought, not been obligatory on her. She had been soft and good-natured, and therefore it was that she was now called upon to be exorbitant. There was something abominable to her in this general greed of the world for more money. At the moment she felt almost a hatred for poor Zeppel the carpenter, and regarded that new baby of his as an impertinent intrusion. She would fall back upon the old wages, the old prices for everything. There would be a difficulty with that Innsbruck butcher, but unless he would give way she would try the man at Brixen. In that matter of fowls she would not yield a kreutzer to the entreaties of her poor neighbours, who brought them to her for sale. Then she walked forth from the house to a little arbour or summer-house, which was close to the chapel opposite, in which she found Schlesen smoking by his pipe with a cup of coffee before him, and Malchen by his side. "'I have made up my mind, Herr Schlesen,' she said. It was only when she was very angry with him that she called him Herr Schlesen. "'And what shall I do?' asked the lawyer. "'Do nothing at all but just destroy that bit of paper.' So saying, the Frau walked back to the house, and Fritz Schlesen, looking round at Malchen, did destroy that bit of paper. End of chapter 2